Welcome to the Ben Don't Break podcast. I am Aaron Schweitzer, your host with the returned and rested co-hostess Laurel Bronze. This podcast is powered by the Source Weekly, Ben's locally owned newspaper. We are the fastest growing podcast in Central Oregon. Thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, listeners tune in to find out how people are affected by these crazy times we live in. And this week we have two thus affected individuals, Fiona and Isabel Max. Graduates of Summit High School, they are both freshmen at Princeton University and started this fall remotely. They are fraternal twins and highly accomplished runners. While they both often finish within seconds or split seconds of each other, Isabel is known for wins in shorter sprints, while Fiona has excelled in longer cross-country races. They both won numerous state championship titles and broken state records. They are the daughters of Sarah Max, who won the pole pedal paddle four times here in Bend, and their father is Kevin Max, the editor and publisher of 1859 Magazine. COVID has had an impact on high school and collegiate athletes. We wanted to have Izzy and Fiona in so we could catch up with the two on how these homegrown athletes have done during this crazy time. Uh, so let's just jump in. Tell us about your life, um, you two, kind of growing up in Bend and how you became so committed to running. And um, do you feel that you were drawn to athletics through your parents? I'm sure that had something to do about what point do you jump off and, and um, start being yourselves? Where do we start? Well, I think the, the most obvious start is with um, cross-country skiing. Um, we grew up kind of being towed behind our, our mom, um, literally on a leash, um, cross-country skiing, um, really just in it for the hot chocolate at the end. Um, and then that quickly kind of became a more competitive sport for us. Um, and then we, our introduction into running was in middle school in track. Um, we were also playing soccer at the time. So it was a bit of a juggle. Um, and then we just realized we like running more and more. So we decided to give cross country kind of um, a run for our money um, sophomore year of high school. I would back up and say that running, running actually started for us just as a way to, um, when we were traveling, when we were younger with our family, they, they always thought that that was the better way to do it than, you know, tours or people standing around with flags. So we just go on runs. And honestly, that was some of the best, um, like those runs, it was one of the best ways to like see whatever city we were in. Yeah, so you started out as kind of like those weights that trainers put on, like your mom's weight jacket, and then uh, yeah, and then moved it. into being independent of the weight jacket. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when did you, did, is there a moment at which you were just kind of like, um, I mean, certainly I, I run quite a bit. My kids were in the same thing, but there's just a moment where the kids all of a sudden are like, I'm going for a run on my own and, and uh, actually realize like, Hey, I like this separate from the family activity. Did you guys have kind of an epiphany like that? Hmm. Or did it happen on a track with someone with a watch going now? Yeah, I would say, I would, say for me at least it started with just wanting to be better at soccer and um you know looking back it wasn't that special at soccer and um so it's funny because it ended up being a pathway to running but it um originally started as just wanting to be faster in soccer so just running the hall road down near the athletic club 
a bend um, back and forth and listening to like cheesy Skrillex remixes. That, that's really the foundation there. <laughs> For me, I really just wanted to bond with my dog more, to be honest. And my dad was always taking my dog for river trail runs when we were in elementary school. And I, I wanted to do that. I wanted to take my dog on a run. So <laughs> that's kind of where it stemmed. I mean, you always hear, I, I think the cliche for boys, boy twins are, you know, the basketball hoop competitions and beating each other up and holding one down. Do you guys have any of that same kind of competitive? I mean, you must be competitive with each other. Hmm. Well, yes. Um, I think as we've diversified our interests a little bit more, it's been um, competitive in a, more of a healthy way. And we've learned to do less of the twin comparison. That's, Tit for tat. Yeah, yeah. That comes sometimes with um, with twins in sports, I think. And, um, in terms of, in terms of the, the cliche, I'd say, honestly, just, just, yeah, being in the neighborhood, we had this one friend who was super into like building forts. And we had this little secret club called stunts on wheels, which was essentially a skateboard with some, um, clapboard across the top and then two Home Depot buckets um, on the clapboard. So that's really where, that's where the, you know, the cliches started, I guess, if we're going to look at like. <laughs> that, yeah. that was probably the most competitive we've ever That's why I still, yeah. yeah, that's, that's where it stems from really. <laughs> Great. So what is it like, um, you know, being virtual college students now and in training with a faraway team and, and how has COVID upended your lives? I'd say we had the easy job in terms of training with our team. I mean, they really, they booked their tickets out here um, in the middle of all those unknowns and flew across the country um, to come train in Bend, Oregon. Um, and we, I mean, on our end, we really just had a promise to upheld uphold which was like Bend Oregon is the place to be it is the place to train um so wait let me back COVID, you up the Princeton team flew here to be with you guys and train with you here rather than you got them being there yeah so yeah, yeah there's there's a bit of a backstory on that the four freshmen the four other freshmen cross-country girls um really kind of cobbled this together on, on our own. The team was in different places all at once. There was a part of the team in Lake Tahoe, part of the team in Boulder. Um, and then we were the other part of the team. Um, and it was really, you know, it, it's pretty difficult to find places. I mean, we're privileged to be in a sport in COVID that is entirely COVID friendly, you know, sure. beyond, um, beyond, you know, competing. Right. Yeah. To some extent. Right. And so, but the tricky place is like most of these mountain towns we're running is going to be really good. Boulder, Lake Tahoe, Bend, like expensive, um, hard to find houses. So that was tricky. Um, but then this this article came out um, in Runner's World, basically about how um, runners were flocking to Bend, Oregon um, during COVID. And I mean, we live right down the street from the Wazell women's running team. And so we already had a little bit of that influence and we just sent them the girls that article and was like, look guys, this is our answer for the fall. 
we don't know what's coming after that, but like, let's just find a house and stick it out and see what happens. Great. And so, and what happened? How did it go? Yeah. So I'd say, um, I mean, we're so lucky to live in Bend um, in terms of COVID cases. And um, I feel like people are generally good about wearing masks, but the, the best part I'd say is that we can all be outdoors, um, which was which was to them kind of amazing. Um, I think that's, that's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah. But um, a lot of these girls have been running on pavement in like Brooklyn, New York or Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, and to come out here and run on trails was, and for us to have teammates running with us on the trails we've grown up on has been amazing. Trying to see like bend through their eyes a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. It could have gone poorly. We, we've all talked about this. It could have gone horribly putting four girls from four different corners of the country in the same house. We've only ever met like twice on Zoom. Um, and we showed, we all gathered in the airport and that was kind of like the first time that we we're all actually meeting each other. Um, and oh, it could have been a, a great reality TV show. If oh, only, yeah. only we know we could have posted cameras up. We could have had <laughs> got it going on. Real housewives <laughs> of Bendor. <laughs> um, yeah, it it was. There were definitely some some ups and downs of just navigating. I mean, freshmen. We slowly discovered throughout this. That, oh, there's a reason reason that. Um, college as a brick and mortar building exists it's a to separate you know parents from students so that parents don't have to see their kids miserably failing for the first couple weeks right. month yeah. and that and that's good and another reason is because freshmen you know they these girls I mean we were living at home which has its own set of difficulties but but these girls were just really like thrown into it um, as freshmen on top of learning this, uh, you know, an entirely new way of learning. And um, one of the biggest standout moments was probably when one of the girls, uh, she, she uh, went to do her laundry and then um, basically uh, took her laundry out, left it on the floor for 10 days and would just go and, and pick her clothes from the laundry pile on the floor um sounds like pretty standard operating dorm room girl behavior yeah yeah just who needs well i think as as far as like environments for for freshman girls four of you living in a house is certainly going to be a little bit more parent parent ideal than being cut loose in a dorm in princeton across the country so your parents got a got a hall pass on that one that's that's definitely fair. Yeah. There's, you know, they had built in, you know, the built in team dynamic right in their house. Yeah. They did talk about like the difficulties of like four like highly competitive women in one house is like, uh, and especially as runners, like there's also some trade offs that come off of that because everyone's used to their training programs right. and you know, even how, how they eat and everyone from different parts of the country eats differently and, and seeing that kind of like in stark contrast with other people, I definitely think like the girls learned a lot and had to like stay true to what they knew in some cases too. I think one of my favorite 
parts of the semester was going over to their house for dinner on Friday nights because Saturday was like shopping day for them. So Friday <laughs> night dinner was always cobbled together. It was so funny. Um, it always involved like the last eggs and maybe some lunch meat. Like it was, it was so random. What is the academic side like? I mean, it's kind of a big deal to start college in the first place. And now you're doing it all online. Like, what's that like? I think um, one of the things that kind of reverberated throughout the girls' house and like our minds too at home was we're, we're so lucky um, to, we're so lucky to be experiencing Princeton still. Um, our professors were amazing um, and really accommodating throughout this whole thing, um, which was really nice. Um, it wasn't, you know, by any means the transition that we envisioned at all, but um, I'd say in general, online school has just made me more excited to be able to go. Yeah, I think um, about, about partway through the semester, uh, petitions started going around. Parents, freshman parents wanted their kids back on campus because they were like, hey, our like you guys have the endowment, you have the resources, you have the minds in all in one room. Like, let's see some some action here in terms of creating so, like a COVID safe college. And Mostly the, the main reason being this is taking a toll on our students' mental health. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, yes. And no, you brought an interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a little, little, you know, peep into daily life at home. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I am experiencing some real max, you know, <laughs> thing here. So. If you were wondering, she just came in to show us her, um, our grandma just came in to show us her 1.20 p.m. appetizer. Oh. <laughs> um, our professors have met all our family members at this point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. And dogs. So <laughs> what was the outcome of the drive to get you guys back? So, I'm not sure if it was exactly the outcome or just a matter of time, but Princeton got their, for lack of a better phrase, their poop in a group and um, built a lab and um, a, a COVID testing lab. Yes. And have decided to send us back. Um, so we'll be leaving January 21st. Okay. 20th. 20th. Sorry. Yep. Um, and then we'll be um, quarantining, you know, two days until we get our negative test, then eight more days, and then slowly just entering the bubble that they hope to create. But in, in talking to you and listening to your experiences, and especially the way you guys got creative with having these other girls come out, and, um, you know, I think certainly everybody who's been to college would acknowledge that, you know, it's the, it's your peers, it's the development of those peer friendships and relationships. It's super important, not just for mental health, but just for the fun factor. Um, ha has there really been, ha have you guys experienced any kind of negative mental health from this experience? Or do you feel like you've gone the other direction? You seem like you're thriving. That is, that is quite the contrary. I'm not like, I'm not going to lie. It has been an extremely hard semester. And um, yeah, I think we've experienced emotions that, I, yeah, we just did not see coming. It's, it's the whole, you know, learning curve and failure freshman year. But 
from home and in the middle of a pandemic, um, there's, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of release when you have that on your mind all the time. Um, and I think too, it's hard, like for our parents to be so close to us and see us struggling through freshman year. I mean, um, yeah, there's a reason you don't go to college with your parents. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, there are many reasons. Yeah. So, Um, so, okay. I was just gonna switch gears a little bit and ask about um, kind of what it's like to live as twins. You guys have a really interesting backstory. You were born um, shortly after 9-11. Your parents had just moved to Bend and you spent the first couple of months of your life in a hospital together. Um, And so I'm like, I'm wondering if there's any validity to some of the archetypal fascination with being a twin, like any kind of telepathic or intuition or things like that? I'd say um, more than anything, it's it's like living with the best friend, to be honest. I, I hate to get all mushy on you, sis, but <laughs> it is like, um, it is, yeah, I'd say it's like living with the best friend. Um, she knows more about me than I know about me. And the same goes for um, my knowledge of her. So I think like, um, especially in these times when, you know, your your family is your, is your unit. Um, it's been really important to have someone my age going through the same thing right next to me. But I also think that it's, it, it, it almost sometimes works in reverse because there is such a mentality around the twinness that sometimes the hardest part about that is, is also learning to sometimes step away from that and realize that you are separate individuals and you're going to have different paths at certain points, whether you like it or not. Um, and that what's, what's going to need to happen because of that is that you're going to have to need to learn to, to communicate in some ways, like beyond, beyond the like immediate easiness of being a twin, you have to learn how to communicate like friends would. And sometimes I think it's super easy to take that for granted. Um, but we have had to learn to like, oh, you mean I can't just, you know, like look at you and you know, I, I know that I'm looking at you and I'm getting the message across, but like, let's use our words here. So <laughs> did, yeah. there any, did you guys ever have any discussions about not going to the same college or what it would be, what it would mean for you both if you did um, go elsewhere, sever that identity somewhat? We did discuss it a little. Um, we pretty much decided that we wanted to go to the same school pretty early on. We decided that twins who could uh, could go to different colleges were fake twins. <laughs> it is Wait, like- <laughs> say that again, because I don't know that our audio caught that. Oh, we, we were just joking that, that they were fake twins because <laughs> in some ways, my, my our parents always joke, um, if we were, you know, if, if they put two into, if they put us together into one person, we, we'd be the perfect person, but we're not because, you know, there's some sides of the extreme and the other sides of the extreme. Right. So 
yeah, better together is, would be the short way. I mean, you just, you, you guys seem to work well together. So Fiona, you've written, you both are fantastic writers. It's been really cool to read some of your work. Um, Fiona, you've written specifically about um, kind of bucking the confines of the one dimensional runner girl identity. I was hoping you could expand on this, like talk a little bit about where that essay came from and, and how you embody it. Yeah. Ah, uh, man, that is a lot to unpack. Um, because I think, I mean, it's really hard because th there are days when you wake up and, and you feel like being identityless, and there's days when you wake up and, and you feel like embodying one aesthetic, um, and kind of, yeah, just like one portion of yourself. I think that's particularly hard in running because in many ways you do have to, you know, be all in if you want to be good. Um, but I think, I think what, um, I started to realize just coming from soccer, my freshman year, and then starting cross country, um, and, and competing, um, at a high level through that, um, while also doing cross country skiing is I start, I started to realize that, um, maybe going all in on one thing didn't necessarily mean going all in on running. It just meant like learning the different ins and outs that would, that would make me better in general and, and bring better perspective to me when I, when I did get on the start line. Um, I think also the biggest thing was seeing how much injury happens in women's running. Like that's a huge question um, on everyone's minds. And Izzy's asked the question before, um, like, is it inevitable in women's running? And especially for freshman girls going into college, like the numbers are, they're, they're unreal. And so I think a lot of that fear made me question like, oh, like how, how far do you want to take just like the one running persona? Like, do you take that to the extent of injury? And um, cause if you do, then count me out. Um, and so I think that's kind of where that, that essay started. Fiona, what, what are the numbers for um, young female athletes, especially runners? You know, I should know this off the top of my head, but I don't. Um, all I know is that I would say a good, right now, a good at any given point this fall around a, a little bit more than a third of our team was injured. Wow. Um, and maybe more than that. Um, there's, um, I think when I went to Nike elite camp in the summer, um, there were 10 girls there. And I believe at any given point, five of them were injured. And I think that was um, a big part of where things stem from because you were seeing that they were really successful up and up and up. And then um, my, one of my teammates at the camp um, who ran one of the fastest miles in the country was out next thing she knew with a stress fracture. Um, and so I think it's like catching that before, before it happens. It's, it's, you know, women's running is relatively new and people still aren't entirely sure on how we, how we address that before it's a problem. And yeah. Well, I know there's a lot of discussion now about the fact that <clears throat> 
you're growing up in an age where there's such superior nutrition, scientific models for training. They, they take videos of you, they fix every little thing. And that does allow you to push harder, but you are starting, I mean, I've heard discussions, you're starting to push the limits of what a body can do and thus stress fractures and other things like that and people your age. So I think it's wise to be at least have that on your radar. Yeah, I think the nice thing about all that and thankfully is that those details and all that information is the direction that coaches are going. Yeah. Um, and that allows us as runners to just focus on what we need to focus on, um, which is tying our shoes every morning at this point. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, our coach in particular is always kind of up to date and giving us the, um, the lowdown on new information um, and using that for our training plans, which has been really nice. Um, but I think that kind of goes back to Fiona's essay and saying like, that is that information is kind of like there's always more out there um and it's up to you on what you focus on um and for your for yeah for your experimenting and um figuring out what's what works for you but um if you try to focus on it all then it's just kind of a recipe for disaster and Right. Well, on that note, um, you guys are also really creative. I mean, you have the writing talent and uh, I've seen your visual art, which is amazing and your musicians. So maybe start with you, Izzy, and talk a little bit about um, how those other things play into your life and if they're future passions or. Yeah. Um... Over, over COVID in general, we've definitely been picking up the guitar a lot more um, than we have been um, and writing a lot of songs um, together, which has been a great release. Um, and I think, um, oh, I'm taking a class this upcoming spring called How to Write a Song. And it's taught by the bass player of Lake Street Dive. I don't know if you've heard of them. But <laughs> well, I haven't, but we'll listen. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll make it the soundtrack for this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Good. There are um, And so, yeah, I'm really excited for that. I think um, kind of taking some of that creativity and putting it into um, what I'm studying um, for fun, whether, whether or not it becomes my major, um, is exciting. How do you like, I mean, with, it's like you mentioned earlier, if you're, if you're on the Princeton track team and you guys are both phenomenal athletes and you do have to be all in, how do you balance all in with still finding time to be creative? Yeah, there's, oh, this is like such a big question at Princeton, obviously, because there are people who, who, get injured because of the stress alone. Um, and in fact, one of the, uh, our, our team brought in a guest speaker um, to talk on that. Um, was it Ashley Higginson? Yeah. Um, she was a, she, in high school, she was the national champion, decided to go to Princeton. Um, and which is, which is pretty unusual for like, normally, normally you see like, you know, they go to a, a school with a more accomplished running program and less academic heavy. So 
already there's like your um a sign of someone you want to you know be watching for like wow how are, how are they going to tackle this you know like keeping their same sure. high standards but also um so how she explained it and i've loved this analogy was um the idea that you can you're you're juggling a certain amount of balls and some are plastic and can kind of bounce back but some are glass um and I think she, correct me if I'm wrong, but she was referring to like sleep is a glass ball. Um, like mental health is a glass ball. Your fitness is a glass ball. And like, so being aware of like which ones you can let kind of bounce back um, and which ones are plastic are important, but being aware of the glass balls that can fall and break at any moment um, is kind of how you should approach things. And that analogy really helped because I got to this point where, um, where I realized that like, it's, it's easy to go to an institution like Princeton and feel like, and feel stressed about the stress. Um, and, you know, feel like people around you are stressed, therefore you should be stressed and, um, you know, want to go all in on everything. Cause that's kind of the mindset of everyone at Princeton. And they do want to go, go all in at, you know, everything they can get their hands on. But I think like, seeing that visual of the glass balls and understanding, okay, like even at like a fancy schmancy place, even like with, you know, when you're interacting with the most like complex ideas, like sometimes it's worth just stepping back and realizing that like at the end of the day, it's about the glass balls breaking and like keeping them in the air and the rest will follow. What do you, what do you say to high school kids right now who are aspiring athletes, aspiring scholars and creatives during this COVID time. I mean, what have you learned for yourselves in trying to like push through and how do you, what do you, what do you say to them to help them navigate this time? I think acknowledging that it's going to take extra effort to navigate all this in the first place is huge. Um, you can't, like you can't sustain um, a push through this time. You can't um, keep the gas pedal down all the time. Um, and, you know, it's cliche, but those, but the advice out there telling you to, you know, take a step back, explore um, other hobbies and take the pressure off, I think is really important. Um, ultimately, like COVID will be a blip in time if you're really passionate about what you're looking forward to doing, um, whether that's running or creating or, or academics, whatever you want. Um, ultimately, this will be a blip in time, but I think that we can learn a lot more from it um, if we take the pressure off. Yeah, yeah. I think going off that, um, one of the like biggest things I think people are having a problem with right now is, you know, there, especially in the running world, there's a lot of comparison. Whereas, okay, like this, how the heck is this person running PRs right now? Like what sort of shape is um, my competition in? And I think, you know, at first I remember that being a pretty big, a big stressor um, for us and for me and, um, trying to kind of keep up with the Joneses on that. I mean, earlier, Earlier on, we were getting invited to meets, like, um, yeah, unofficial, like, hey, come run this mile. And that was stressful because you do have to balance the risk um, versus sure. the, the want to compete. Right. And I think 
honestly, if I like a, one of the things like I would say in terms of advice for for high schoolers is like I, I think just growing up and the more the more and more you grow up and deal with things the more and more you just realize that you know one day it may look like someone has their their stuff together and is and is perfect and maybe one day you do feel like that but the next day it could be a train wreck and no one sees those days and the same people who were in shape and um breaking prs a couple months ago like um I know a couple of them who are like dealing with serious mental health issues and everyone's in different places at this time. So I think at the end of the day, it comes down to our coach has been telling this to us a lot um, in terms of like returning to campus and just appreciating what we do have is like celebrate what is not what isn't because we'll, we'll, we'll address what isn't later, but right now all we can do is celebrate what is. Man, you guys are so well put together, I, I must say, like in, in terms of information, I, I couldn't have said it better. I mean, I think Laurel and I have both talked about how this podcast has been a, a really good way for both of us to kind of step back from our from our grinds and do something fun for a change. And uh, not that our regular day jobs aren't fun, but um, we do get a lot from being able to talk to people like yourselves and um, and do take take that moment during COVID when I think when we first thought about why we wanted to do this podcast, it was because we just needed some some to distract us a little bit, some kind of some kind some kind of fun. So yeah. yeah. No, thank you guys. Like, I mean, like really quickly, even right now, like as an example, like you can see on our Zoom screen, like this blank wall in this closet, but like here's what my room actually <laughs> just just so you all know and like you don't even want to see my desk so like there's there it is you were doing a good job of fronting there you, yeah yeah until, until that yeah. moment <laughs> well do you guys we're uh we're running out of time is there anything you'd like to say before we uh we part ways and and actually truly part ways and you guys go back off to princeton or go to princeton hmm is there is there anything you have in mind well, I'd say just in light of the new year too, I mean, this podcast is nice for us because we get a moment to reflect and look back on the whole journey. That was, yeah, that was, that was helpful for me too. Good, good. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, this has been the Ben Don't Break podcast. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Thank you so much. Would it be true to say that I ordered you, or is it you that ordered me? I could say you are the only one I see, but I can't stop at two or three. And I am afraid to meet you so, and I am too sober not to know. Oh, no.